Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 469. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. Yahoo! <laughs> that is that is the most pure <laughs> intro. Yahoo! Also, you are a Mario brother? It's-a me, Lorraine! Wow. If we have any artists who are uh, listeners to the show, can you please draw Lorraine as if she is one of the Mario siblings uh, with like overalls and the hat and all that good stuff? And facial hair, please. Oh, yeah. Give her a good old mustache. Now, we're not here to just talk about (laughs) Mario Brothers. We are here to talk about everything that's happening in Marvel this week, whether it's games, comics, movies, TV or what have you. Let's get into the marvel of it all. Lorraine, this one uh, up top is really, really cool. Yeah, um, I'm really excited for this. Um, Abrams has introduced some great books. It's Abrams Children Books, and they have this new series of collectible board books. I actually have a bunch of them at my house. They're so cute. I'll have to send one over to Catherine Grace for you to read it to her. But they're those great books that are perfect for when you have kids because I don't know if you know this yet, Ryan, children destroy all of your belongings. But in this case, they're really great. They can put them in their mouth. They can poop on them. I don't know if they should poop on them. That's probably a bad idea. They probably don't. (laughs) Yesterday, I was in the middle of recording something for one of our shows, and I just hear screaming (laughs) from the, the entire house length away. A little bit later, Elizabeth is like, did you hear the... The, the baby screaming. I was like, yes, everything was okay. She's like, yeah, she pulled uh, an entire glass of water down on herself and everything around us. And I had to put her uh, off to the side so I can clean it. And that's just a typical Monday. Well, you know, kids just have to um, make a million mistakes so they know what to not to do. Like, oh, if I knock a glass of water over, all the water will come out on top of my head. You think that'll work. It takes uh, many, many tries for those <laughs> lessons to sink in. Believe you me. Well, she is. Only a year old. Yeah. Um, but these books are, are so great because they are that like, you know, hefty paper and they're super, you know, la- they last a long time when you have little ones. But these books include Spider-Man, Captain America, Hulk, Black Panther, Iron Man. And now they just added a book that came out this week for Black Widow. And then there's also some books for grownups that they have coming out, which is an Alex Ross poster book, which is beautiful. Alex Ross is crushing it as far as the art game goes if you don't know now you know but incredible and there's also a making of the x-men animated series book that has a bunch of incredible art from that original 90s x-men series that you can watch on disney plus which is fab i want that book so badly yeah it looks really really cool um i think we'll be showing off some of it on a future episode of earth's mightiest show so keep your eyes peeled they look really cute on my shelf also they're just good set decoration (laughs) Yeah, they look great right now when your background is just hocus pocus. Um, That is my Zoom background of choice. It makes me feel seasonally appropriate. (laughs) Also, watch Hocus Pocus, Ryan. Everyone tweet Ryan at Agent M to let him know he needs to watch Hocus Pocus. It'll change his life. We'll see. Anyway, uh, yes, that Black Widow book came out this week. And another big piece of news that was dropped this week is that we have a shorter window for new books hitting Marvel Unlimited. So now you can read your favorite stories even sooner in the greatest subscription service in the universe. You know, starting this week, new comics will arrive on Marvel Unlimited just three months after they hit stores. So that's going to be Avengers and Immortal Hulk, X-Men, pretty much all the books that you want to read. Now you're going to get to them a bit quicker. There's over 28,000 comics in the app at this point. So it's super, super cool. And if... For some reason, 
you are listening to the show. You've heard Lorraine and myself and James and all of our guests talk about Marvel Unlimited on and on and on for many, many years, and you have not subscribed. Now you can get 50% off your first month of Marvel Unlimited. Go to marvel.com slash unlimited and enter promo code MARVELITES. That's M-A-R-V-E-L-I-T-E-S. And there's tons of recommendations in there. There's tons of just great stories and great comics for you to check out. Lorraine, you're going to be on uh, Marvel's pull list really Mm -hmm. soon. And this would be a great way for anyone who wants to read your choice for that. They can check it out through Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, go read the first half a dozen issues of Sensational She-Hulk by John Byrne. They're in there and they're incredible. Um, Also, I want to say, as with all things, when you go over to marvel.com slash unlimited, you know, rules and restrictions apply. To learn more, you can see all the rules and regulations over there and uh, go sign up. Use that code, Marvelites. Yeah. Um, next up, we have Captain America Shield. Um, this is really cool, actually. It's the first item inspired by the upcoming Disney Plus series, Marvel Studios, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it is now available for pre-order. It is basically a premium role-playing item. It's the Marvel Legends series. So it's a one-to-one. It's full scale. It has adjustable straps so that you can wear it just like a captain of America. It's really a nice quality that you can either use it to cosplay or or just to like be cool up on your wall. They are really fabulous. Marvel Legends has done some other Captain America shields and they're all really, really cool. Uh, this one is made by Hasbro. It's intended for adults and the retail price is $114.99 and it's going to be available this fall. So, you know, perfect for that holiday season. Put it on your wish list. I will be taking three for all of my arms. <laughs> <laughs> you can pre-order yours at the Hasbro Pulse at Entertainment Earth and Big Bad Toy Store. I really want one as I hopefully move into a new studio space soon. There would be a perfect place for a shield. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about uh, comics because last week we told you all about some of the Marvel comics that are releasing in January. We said there'd be more. We got more for you. All right. So this week we announced Immortal Hulk Flatline, which is drawn and written by Ireland's favorite son, Declan <laughs> Shalvey, uh, who is just a sweet baby a sweet, boy. Wonderful man. I love Declan so much. Uh, we have a brand new Iron Fist Heart of the Dragon one shot by Larry Hama and David Wachter. Which is huge. Larry Hama yeah, is, is a friggin' legend. Yes. Um, important dude on that character. So holy butts. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, I friggin' love Larry Hama. It's weird because I don't know that he gets nearly enough attention that he deserves. Totally. For like, not, sure, we don't own G.I. Joe now, but how many comic book fans became comic book fans because of Larry's Marvel work with G.I. Joe? Not only that, there's all the Wolverine stuff he did, which is so seminal to the character. Man, so good. Yeah, he's done a ton of stuff that was really, really important in sort of like the 70s or more, I guess, the 80s window. But, man, get into it. Yeah. And so that uh, Iron Fist Heart of the Dragon is going to have zombies and mystical portals and dragon hearts and uh, some just really awesome fighting in it. We also announced this week that the final issue of Magnificent Ms. Marvel by Saladin Ahmed and Minkyo Young is uh, coming out in January. It's going to be Ms. Marvel and Amulet versus Storm Ranger, and it's going to set Kamala up for her future. Yeah, I'm also excited for more Shang-Chi all the time. There's going to be Legend of Shang-Chi number one by Alyssa Wong and Andy Tong. Um, And Shang-Chi 
is going to go up against Lady Deathstrike, which I just, I'm really loving all these Shang-Chi comics that are coming around. It's really cool. Uh, And then finally, one more announcement for this week was Maestro War and Pax. It's a a new limited series that follows the Maestro saga that we're currently in right now. Uh, It's written by Peter David again, art by Javier Pina. And this one's going to be just awesome because we're, we're getting the story that we like filling in the mm-hmm. gaps uh, between, you know, the, the present time and how the Hulk turns into the maestro and becomes the the central sort of figure in Incredible Hulk Future Imperfect, one of Marvel's true classic stories. Yeah. Um. Hey, Ryan, we have a guest this week and I really hope they cut the mustard. Oh, boy, I was waiting for it. There you go. Great job, Lorraine. Thanks. Yes, we have Donald Mustard, who is the worldwide creative director for Fortnite over at Epic Games. He's on the show. Uh, we're talking about the Fortnite Marvel storyline creation partnership all the cool stuff that's going on there we talk about the Fortnite comic book tie-in that uh donald worked on with donny cates and that is uh, a thor story uh, we talk about gaming we talk about comics um and what's really really cool if if you are someone who is following along with all this Fortnite stuff that marvel's been working on you get it it's cool it's big uh it, it's touching on the comics it's in their game if you know nothing about this stuff i think this one is super fascinating because you're going to see how Marvel is integrated into Fortnite's universe and their story and everything and, and vice versa. Like this is something cool and matters and is is big and important uh, and is, is full of like continuity stuff that I just I really, really dig. So let's go right now to our interview with Donald Mustard. Donald, welcome to This Week in Marvel. Thanks for coming on a talk. Thank you so much for having me. This is cool. Yeah, I mean, look, we're talking about Marvel and Fortnite and pretty much everything about that is cool. We're going to talk all about that stuff and and more. But I want to know, first things first, one thing we like to ask on the show is, what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first get connected to Marvel or learn about the characters or fall in love with them? What was it for you? So, all right. So my story is is this. So, I mean, I grew up very aware of superheroes, you know, from Spidey to Batman, everyone else. But um, my grandparents lived in uh, in England when I was when I was very young. So my first introduction to even like sequential art was at Christmas. They would they would give me these. I guess they were kind of graphic novels called Tintin. Like so, Tintin from from Hergé, right? And so I was like, oh man, this is so cool. And when I was maybe nine or 10, we were on a road trip across the country and you know, just like driving, driving forever. And it was so boring. And we stopped at some gas station somewhere and, and there was a comic rack. And I was like, oh my goodness, like look at this cool stuff. And I was again, nine or 10. And what actually attracted to me, I saw I saw this amazing cover for this issue of G.I. Joe. It was actually G.I. Joe that got me in. It was this, I think it was G.I. Joe issue, I want to say it was number 10. It was like this crazy image of like this mech with someone on a jetpack flying underneath it. And I'm like, I got to see what this is. And so I convinced my mom to let me get it. I read that issue. It was amazing. And then at the next stop, the next stop, I'm like, oh my goodness, you have to let me buy more. And I immediately was like, I grabbed like Spider-Man, I grabbed, I grabbed an X-Men, I grabbed a couple other things, and that was it. That was in. So just all through my, you know, from 10 and on, like all my formative years, I was 
deeply into Marvel and into all the different books and it affected me completely. <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, did you like, did you then go back home and find a comic book shop or what was it for? Did you, how did you stick with it after that magical road trip? I did. So that was interesting. So yeah, I, so I lived in Houston, Texas at the time and, uh, and we, uh, we got home from that trip and I, I didn't even know, like, I, so it started with that. I just started going to like, the grocery store or like the convenience, like, like, you know, like, like the local gas station and going back to those racks. And it took me not very long before, maybe a month or two before I was like, Oh my goodness, there's such thing as a comic book shop. And I remember like I, on my way home from school, there was this, this, it was like in like our, you know, just like a shopping complex. It was called Odyssey comics. And I, I like, I was like, what? there's a store like, and I went in there and it was just like, just imagine that first time walking into an actual like comic shop, just like melted my brain, like what was there and what could be there. And so I, you know, I started like the idea of the, there was back issues and you could find this stuff. So I'm like, I could actually find out what's going on in Spider-Man or in X-Men and stuff. It just blew my mind. Um, and so, yeah, I started going to the shop and pretty quickly, I'm like, well, I got to like get a job so I can <laughs> afford this new habit. Uh, so I started like my own like lawn mowing company so I could like mow lawns to earn enough money to like, cause I started having them like pull issues for me. So I had this commitment that I had to get to. And then I'm like, I don't know, like my habit was getting bigger and I was, I was okay. I was pretty okay at drawing. And so I went to, so maybe like a year's past now, like I'm now in junior high, like sixth or seventh grade. And I went to the owner of the owner of Odyssey Comics. I'm like, hey, like, so this is going to super date me. So way back in the old days, we had books in school, and those books you would put book covers on. Like it was actually a thing. Like you'd put like these. The school would give you like these things to so you didn't like wreck their books. And so I went to the comic store owner. I'm like, hey, what if I draw you like a really cool like Wolverine and cool like Punisher you know, like book cover that says Odyssey comics on it. And I'll go give it out at my junior high for these book covers. And everyone in the school will be having like Wolverine on their cover of their books and they'll come to your store and buy comics. I'm like, but you have to, you know, you have to like basically let me have my subscriptions for, free <laughs> for a year. And he's like, done. He's like, let's do that. And so I drew these crazy, like, they're so bad. I'm sure if I went and found them, but it totally worked. Like I got my comics and it was, it was awesome. That is a good hustle right there. Well done. That's my, I guess that's kind of my Marvel origin story. Yeah, I love that. I love talking to folks who have those old comic book shop memories from when they were a kid. Like for me, my shop was called Gotham Manor and you walked in and it was like a really well-designed store where the tops of the entire store were like a cityscape. And so it was like really well lit. The back issue bin were dumpster back issue bins were dumpsters, so you pull oh, cool. the dumpster open, and that's where all the comics were. And then right across from that were uh, a couple of arcade cabinets. And so you know we would play Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, or generally at that time it was Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Those were the ones there. Maybe an SNK machine that you know had like a bunch of uh, different titles in it, but that was really cool and fun for me. And that was sort of a, a big blending of those interests for me as a kid that I've stuck with my entire life. And of course you're, you know, you're working on one of the biggest video games uh, around right now. How did you get into the video game side of things? 
Well, so it's kind of through that. So, you know, I, I was, you know, super into art and into drawing. So fast forward, like another couple of years, you know, for like my 16th birthday, everyone else is like, I want a car, I want this, I want whatever. And to my parents, I'm like, okay, all I want in this whole world is this book. There's this book by this guy named Will Eisner called Comics and Sequential Art. I'm like, and it teaches you how to actually like tell stories um, in a sequential way. And so, and it was hard to find. Like I had to track this book down and like order it from somewhere in Europe. It was crazy, but that's what I got. So for my 16th birthday, I got Comics and Sequential Art and I got how to draw comics the Marvel way, right? And, and you know, in school, I was just like, this is what I want to do. I want to do something really around storytelling. And, and, and so I was, I thought for a long time, like, I'm going to go be a Marvel artist. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go make comic books and that's going to be my life. Um, but then um, as, I, as I was going to like my senior year of high school, I'm like, I think I could take this more. I'm like, I, I think I'm even more interested in like film and in video games and like all this stuff. And so when I went to university, and I really got access to like a computer for the first time. I'm like, okay, I can take my knowledge, my art skills and my understanding of story and I can apply it to film. I can apply it to animation. And I still thought, I'm like, I might do comics. I might do movies. Like, I don't know about games. Cause this was still like, this was like the mid to late nineties. Okay. I'm like, I just don't know if the text, the technology is there for me to do what I would want to do. Uh, but then this game came out called final fantasy seven. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Yes. So here I am. I'm like, just, I'm like, it's my brother and I are just like these poor, poor college kids. And, but we love the final fantasy games. Final fantasy seven comes out. And so we had like no money. We didn't own a PlayStation. And so we took the, like the few dollars we had, we walked cause we didn't even have cars yet. Like we walked down to like our local blockbuster. And this is so crazy saying these, all these words, right? So we walked to our local blockbuster. We rented a PlayStation. We rented Final Fantasy VII. We went back to our, like, our dorm room apartment, and we started playing Final Fantasy. And it just, seven, it just like blew, blew my head apart. Like, I couldn't believe like, what this game was and what it represented. And we got you know, like nine or 10 hours in, and we're like, oh crap, we, we, gotta, we gotta go to class. We have stuff we gotta do. <laughs> so I went to like save it, and all of a sudden it's like, save, save, need memory card. Need memory card. I'm like, what is a memory card? And, and so we're like calling, like we call like Target. I don't know what we call it. And they're like, uh, no, like a memory card doesn't, you can't save on a PlayStation. You need like this $15 memory card. I'm like, I don't have 15 bucks. <laughs> you know, I'm like, we're screwed. Like, what are we gonna do? Like, this is like a Final Fantasy game. And so, and so my brother and I looked at each other and we're just like, just in this moment we knew, we're like, we're not going to class. We're not going to sleep. We're not eating. This is it. We're just going to play through this until we're done. And so we sat there for the next days straight, played through Final Fantasy VII. By the end of it, we're just crying out of our red, tired <laughs> eyes. And both of us were like, that's it. We're going into video games. Um, we're changing. Like, this is where our focus is going to be. And we're going to do this. We're going to take all of our skills. My brother is like this, a very um, amazing engineer. I'm more on the art side. Um, so that's what got us in. We, we knew then and we kind of started. So a long story you don't want to hear, but eventually it, it winded up with us uh, starting our own company together, uh, making games um, after many years later, uh, at which point we made some really acclaimed successful games. And then our company was acquired 
uh, by Epic Games, at which point I became uh, the chief creative officer of Epic Games, like kind of overseeing all of our game development, which I've been doing for the last um, 10 plus years, uh, making lots of cool games with Epic. And, and then three years ago, uh, Fortnite came out, which is a game we've been working on for a long time. It's kind of the culmination of all of my philosophy of what uh, the best of kind of interactive entertainment can be, uh, combined with, again, hundreds of other people that work on these products and, and holy crap, like it just blew up to be the biggest thing ever. And, and wow, what a ride. Yeah. That's the short version, (laughs) even though that was long. I I have a lot of other questions as we'll go back, but I I have a, a number of friends who work at Epic for me, like the whole Marvel Epic connection with Fortnite makes me so happy because I know there are great people that I know doing cool stuff. And I know that there's great people and good heart behind it. But I remember always visiting the Epic room at E3 that was above the, like the, the, the meeting room up above. Yeah, Cause yeah. I would go and, and see my friends and be like, Hey guys, what's going on? And there was, there was one year where I, somebody that probably Wes and Nick, they was like, sat me down and like, check this out. And like showing me game. And like, you know, I think it was Fortnite at that point, just talking about the stuff that they were hyped about. And it's really cool to see how, far along and how amazingly like just it's just blown everybody out of the water yeah we got really lucky well part of it is that it's it's just you know you work on and you, you'll see you see this at marvel well like you guys make you tell so many different stories and you do so many different things and we knew like you know when you have something good like we knew we had something really really cool with fortnite like we're playing we're like oh man this is like the best game we've ever played <laughs> You talk about Final Fantasy VII, sort of like that that big moment for you, like getting into the industry. But what was it that, you know, hooked you in terms of playing games? You know, you said the Final Fantasy games. I remember as a kid, like, there's this really weird shooter that I loved on NES called Stinger. It's just so strange. And I think it's part of why I have a weird sense of humor and, and stuff. And it's influenced a lot of, like, my thinking in a lot of ways. What was it for you that really got you to love video games? So Stinger's awesome. So, okay. So, oh man. All right. So we're probably about the same, like, it sounds like we have a lot of the same influences, but like, so yeah, so I was playing stuff as early as we could. And it was even at the time it was like, what are these things in stores and arcades? It was Pac-Man and kind of everything else. But when home systems started to be a thing, we had an Atari, we'd play all that stuff. But I had a friend who had, who actually had a, like one of those early Mac Macs, those early Macintoshes. And there was this game, there was two games. There was this game called Wolfenstein, like old school, like the actual original Wolfenstein. And there was this game called uh, Captain Goodnight. You should look it up. So Captain Goodnight is one of those things like, I cannot believe this is more of like the influence of all games. So it's like this crazy little, it's probably not even, it's like two bit, you know, like, like, (laughs) side scroller where you start as this little dude and you run out of this airfield you get in, in an airplane and you fly it through this crazy like stuff and then you end up blowing up and you have to and so it's like it's just like all these genres of games where it's a basically you're like infiltrating enemy lines like you're it's flying it's shooting it's going deep into a base getting gadgets and different stuff and it was like what is this is pac-man like this is <laughs> this is like a world i could explore and, it, and so you should look it up. Captain Goodnight just okay. exploded my head. And then Nintendo came out. Like when Nintendo came out, it was just like, you know, like Mario. But really, to me, it was Zelda and it was Metroid. 
So Zelda and Metroid were really the things that like, okay, this, this is what the potential of this medium is. Um, and then I think, you know, go a couple years later when like Super Metroid came out, like Super Metroid, I think really to me is like the pinnacle of kind of 2D game design. Um, and then is so influenced like kind of the way that you kind of think about the mo- modern games, um, that, that these worlds could be places that we could escape to and that they could, they could encompass the, just this larger framework of early prototypes of what um, the metaverse could be, like this persistent virtual place where you can just go and, um, and so, yeah, it was that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that's super cool. I, ever so many people will talk about Super Metroid being influential to them, and I get it. But I was a Genesis kid, so oh. we didn't have. I had I went NES, Genesis, and gotcha. then Se- Sega CD, 32X. I had like the Fire Hazard con- like machine that was all of them put together and everything. Uh, so yeah, I I'm only sorry. played. Yeah, I had friends. <laughs> I'm like, you're not my friend anymore. You made the wrong choice. <laughs> Yeah, but we had our great Spider-Man game on on Genesis yeah, that Super totally. Nintendo never got. So it's all good. Yeah. Uh, everybody's got good stuff. Um, before we start to get into the Marvel and Fortnite a little bit more closely. So Fortnite, we talked a, a, a little bit about it, um, the sort of development, because I don't know if um, if all of the comic book fans who are listening to this or MCU fans, you know, we have a wide swath of, of Marvel fans know that there's like, you know, Fortnite sort of has different iterations and versions and and gameplay modes but the the version that marvel is part of is this really cool persistent thing and i oh you know i remember as you guys were developing and going on and like the world would change and i was like that's freaking cool like that's gonna change and if you missed out on what that was before you may never see that again and it's like comics in a way in that like the story keeps going the world moves on that just seems like such a fun opportunity for you. Yeah. So, all right. So indulge me for a second. Like, I don't think, you know, we don't talk about this publicly very much, but some of the philosophy behind that is this. So like when, when you're approaching telling a traditional linear story, right? Whether you're making a comic book or a film or reading a novel, whatever, like, you know, 999 out of a thousand times, like you approach storytelling through character, right? So it's about, you know, Star Wars is a really cool world, but it's really about the journey of Luke, right? Or the Skywalker family. It's like their arc and where how they learn and how they grow. And yes, there's this cool backdrop of this world, but it's really about characters. And we lose ourselves in these characters and we care so much about their, their journey and where they're going. And that's why we love linear storytelling. And with games, that's traditionally still how a lot of game makers uh, tell their stories. And I had done that myself in a lot of the games I had made where you employ a lot of those same methods of how you tell a narrative. But I found myself always having kind of this cognitive dissonance. Like every time I was playing any game that was telling a story because I'm trying to think of a safe example. Um, I use my own game, right? So like if I'm playing, you know, I'm playing through Infinity Blade and I'm playing through the journey, like the story of Cyrus and like how he's learning that he's really this deathless being who's been resurrected over and over again, you know, hundreds of times. Like, even as I'm playing that, I'm like, yeah, but I'm not Cyrus. I'm me. What if I don't want to go fight the God King? Or what if I don't want to, what if I just want to take the day off and like hang out and like watch the Super Bowl? And that like breaks the narrative journey of the story that I'm telling. But the whole time I'm like, but I'm me. I'm not, like, it's, it's really me. I'm me. I'm not Wolverine. I'm not, you know, any of these characters. I'm not Darth Vader. I'm me. 
And so with Fortnite, I'm like, I want to try something different. I'm just going to try a crazy experiment and see what happens. And so we were like, what if instead of treating it like a normal narrative, I'm going to, I'm going to create a world where the island is the main character. So I'm going to treat the island as like that traditional arc. And we've kind of planned it that way. Like I have like the story and the narrative structure of Fortnite will is planned out for many, many, many years. And we're you know only three years into an arc that we have way planned out, like the big beats of how it will all work. And I'm like, I'm going to give that the island kind of that traditional journey. And I'm never going to take your agency away from you. And so that's why you know, early on in the life cycle of the game, like all of a sudden just a comet appeared in the sky and things started to happen. And the island, you know, it, I treat it very much like almost more like improv or live performance or, or you go way back to our origins of, as a species to like campfire storytelling where it's like, we're just telling a story in front of the campfire. And yeah, if you happen to tune out for a little bit, the story's gonna keep going, right? It's very much like these comic books, right? But the difference is, the only back issues are, you gotta I, you can go look on YouTube, I guess, but like, you gotta be there in these moments where it's happening. And so that's kind of been our experiment. And the story will also reveal over the years in ways that players will understand why, why when they inhabit or embody a character like a Wolverine or Iron Man this season, even actually, some really big hints at the mythology of Fortnite in in this season right now uh, that as players start to understand why Thor is losing his abilities and you know and so that's all stuff that is it's going to be real to players and it's part of the narrative but part of that philosophy that we're implying. All of that is is amazing. So you you start thinking about this the story and you start building this mythology and years of possibility, um, the two things immediately spring to mind is you mentioned improv. Well, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men, you know, like you can plan out as much as you want, but stuff blows up and things change and all kinds of wild stuff could potentially happen. I'm sure y'all have to plan for that. And then two, what about the Marvel of it all? How does Marvel then become part of this grand plan for you? Well, how do I answer that without spoiling Fortnite stuff? <laughs> so, so my hope, my hope from day one was that I could find partners, I could find people like Joe Russo and Kevin Feige and Dan Buckley and Bill Rose, like a lot of awesome Marvel folks and Disney folks and people, you know, from even other, you know, other places that would, could share the vision of, of what the the story of Fortnite is, which in a lot of ways will start to be revealed to players more and more, that it is kind of this nexus of, of all these realities and that that's important to the Fortnite narrative. And so I, I wanted that narrative from the start. And so I, I knew I needed people to kind of come there with me. So that's kind of a component of it, but you're not wrong. Like a lot of it, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're doing improv, right, you have to be able to adapt. And to me, that's some of the most fun stuff, right? And so an early example would be the comet. Like we put the comet in the sky. We knew the comet was going to get closer every day. The inevitability. That's what I loved about I wanted so much the first thing to be that comet. That just this inevitability of this thing coming and what would it do and what speculation could occur from, from that. And so there'd be people, millions of players all around the world just like, what is this thing? What's going to happen? And, uh, and where is it going to hit? And I knew where I probably wanted the comet to hit. But 
the speculation of where it was going to hit actually changed where we had the comet hit. Because I was going to have it slightly in a different spot. And we had to make some of it hard beforehand. But, um, but everyone started thinking, like, it's going to hit Tilted Towers. It's going to hit this city that we had in, in Fortnite. And so, like, okay, I don't want to hit Tilted yet because we have other stuff we want to do with it. But we can get it closer there. And we'll start to veer the angle even closer so that people think, oh, my goodness, it's going to hit this. And, and, and then even, like, people start, like, this meme started to kind of appear in the community of, like, rip Tilted. Like, people started to be like, that's it, Tilted's gone. And so because of that kind of improv nature, you know, the design team, we all sat down and we're like, oh my gosh, we need to make like, like crazy conspiracy theory, like people standing on, like on the roofs, like an Independence Day, like welcoming the aliens. Like what if we made like rip tilted signs? We put them all across the buildings on the top of tilted towers so that we're leaning into the narrative that is being created by the community, right? And so some awesome artists went in really fast, made that. And like within 48 hours, like all the buildings in Tilted, you know, were littered with these rip Tilted signs everywhere that had been influenced by the storytelling of the community. And so this is stuff that we're doing all the time. And so to me, that's the magic of Fortnite is we have a loose idea of where it's going. We know the big arcs we're going to play out, but we want to keep it live enough that it, it feels, and it is very much influenced by the feedback that we're getting from from what people are experiencing in the game, exercising their agency. And then we try and feed that back in, into the game to pay it off. Right? I, I love all that. I, I think what also makes me jazzed is the, the ways that you and, and the Fortnite team are integrating Marvel and Marvel lore and Marvel continuity into everything. And on the flip side, how that reflects back on us, because, you know, Marvel, we, we have the Marvel stable of characters, but there's always like certain diversions. And I think of like Conan is the most famous non-Marvel character that is part of Marvel continuity. And now we've got... Not anymore. <laughs> I know. Now we've got like Marvel characters plucked from their in like in continuity moments taken out of the of, of what they're doing in some cases or with Thor, like fully folding it in. And that becomes part of the Marvel history. You know, when we write the history of the Marvel universe, part five, you know, in, in 20 years, like there's the section where the characters are on the island. Oh man, just do wait. We're just getting started. So, so this is where, <laughs> so all of us, when we said like, this has been years in the making. So it's been at least uh, almost two years since Dan and Bill and Joe, like all of us were sitting down. Like I was, we were, I was in New York at the, like, we were just like, okay, what if we did this thing? What if we do this crazy stuff? And what if it's all part of continuity? Like, how do we make it really authentic? Like, this is what we all care about the most. Like, everything we ever do in Fortnite, our approach is, how can we do it in a way that is not just authentic, but it, it feels like it's born out of true love of just doing something awesome, right? And what's awesome is, is there a way that it can genuinely be all folded together? And could we work that out? And so, um, Marvel fans might not all this, but we have this continuity in Fortnite. And, and I, I've always loved, you know, I love all the Marvel books and I knew, you know, the films were just kind of wrapping up with all the Thanos kind of storyline and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, what would in the Marvel universe, like what would be the thing that would kind of trigger this, this moment? I'm like, of course it's Galactus. Like Galactus is, is the eater of worlds. And, and we had this moment in Fortnite that happened um, actually about a year ago where 
this stuff was happening on the island and all this stuff happened with this thing in Fortnite called the zero point where the zero point kind of reorganized all the, the matter around the island and kind of created this new, this new island. And then that's the point where all of us, like on the Marvel side and on the Fortnite side, that's the moment that started, that attracted Galactus. Galactus kind of felt this reorganize, this reorganizing of reality and was like, huh, there's this energy source at the kind of the center of everything. And if I can consume that, I can consume not just the, re- the Marvel reality, I can consume everything. And so he just started moving towards that. And that, so we knew in the background, like Galactus is feeling this and is on his way. So we knew that a year ago. So even though we hadn't revealed that to players, like that was in our mind, that, that's what, that was the inciting event that attracted his attention. And so we've been, you know, we've been plotting this for a long, long time and trying to lay little seeds in. And so, you know, when Donnie Kate, like with Donnie's kind of comic of bringing Thor into it. So we're like, okay, we want to be Galactus. So the current Herald is, is Thor. And so how do we just like weave that all in an authentic way? And here we are. Yeah. Did you get to actually like work with Donnie on some of the, the comic book stuff and the integration stuff? Absolutely. So, I mean, this was from day one. It was, it was all the awesome, again, it was, and you know, we were all collaborating for many, many, many months, years, like, like planning this out. And so um, yeah, Donnie and I worked very, very closely together to, to do this. That's a, that's pretty amazing. Um, and right now, as we're recording, um, we've just gotten Wolverine. He's just, you know, started to roll out into the game. Um, for you, when you when you see what is in there right now, what's coming in this season, what are your favorite Marvel outfits and executions and things you're excited for the fans to, to check out? Yeah, so, yeah, so this really is, so, we, you know, we, we've had a few Marvel characters and few Marvel outfits appear in Fortnite before this season. And, and a lot of that was intentional as well. Um, you know, some of the early, earliest stuff with was, was actually more on the, on the MCU side where, you know, it was the Russos and Kevin Feige and I like figuring out how do we do cool stuff with, uh, with Infinity War and with Endgame. But even then it was starting to build up, like how do we start to build it into this kind of bigger and longer. And this is, like the reason why we called even this season Nexus War is this is just the start. This is the start of lots of stuff we have planned for many years in this Marvel integration. Like this is not, this is not the end, this is the beginning. And so we thought that a good, you know, kind of POV character that could start to really set this up with, would be Deadpool because of, you know, it's kind of fourth wall breaking abilities. So that's why kind of Deadpool kind of came in earlier this year to kind of set this up a little bit and then we we hinted with cap with cap coming in around like fourth of july so it was all kind of like building this moment but but yes this is kind of a way for me to go who are my favorite characters ever right and like i am you know i'm just i love i love all the characters so much right so i'm like gotta have cap i gotta have iron i gotta have wolverine like i gotta have uh I mean, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this. There's more characters that are coming, even in this season. And like, you know, like I, I mean, this is a dead giveaway, but I'll still say it in a more cryptic way. Like, you know, I, I think living with fear is a bad thing and people without fear and there is and others like many others. And, and, we're, and we're, we're even now we're plotting out kind of 
what are some of the big cool things that we're doing even in the next year and the year after that. And um, so that's really it is I have so many favorite characters that's going to sure. take years to get them all in, in into this world. But, but it's not even just for me, it's more just going, going back to that, you know, that, that kid who was drawing book covers for the comic book store and, and begging to get how to draw a comic some Marvel way when I'm a teenager, it's like, what, what is, what is, what does that kid need to see? Like, how can, how can you kind of empower that fantasy? So our hope is to bring everyone you love into this world in an authentic way. I, I, I look forward to seeing MODOK in Fortnite in uh, short order, as you can see behind me, he is the greatest character ever. MODOK is amazing. And so it's really just thinking like, again, it has to all be in an authentic way. So it's like, if MODOK learned that there was a slice of reality where Fortnite exists and, and you don't have enough context yet and the players don't have enough context yet of what's actually going on in, in the world of Fortnite. But I think Modoc would be very interested in what's going on there and and maybe there's a way he plays into that at some point. Yeah. I like it. This is uh this this gotta be jazz, man. It's real fun. And I, I just I love the 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 possibilities and the the care and attention that is being put into all this. It's it's something that is really important to not just the Marvel fans, which of course it is, but like everyone at Marvel and to see how this is done and see it's done so lovingly is, is fabulous. So. Well, and to me, it's just that it's just like, you know, we're all fans. Right. And so if, if, you know, if someone comes to, to me and to the team and it's like, we get, we get our chance, like we get our moment to, to try and tell a story in the Marvel universe. Like how can we do that? One, how can we tell a story that maybe hasn't quite been told before? Uh, and two, how can we do it again in a way that feels like it's truly authentic and, and something that, that is the Marvel way that they'd be proud of. And so that's, that's it. That's, that's our, that's our razor. There you go. I love it. Donald, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, maybe we'll have to catch up with you uh, after some time and some, some things have further changed on the island. That's right. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. That was such a great interview. But we also have a question of the week. Yeah. Lorraine, what is it? Uh, our question of the week is next week. I don't know if you guys know, the scary season is upon us. And so we're going to be um, Halloweening it up next week. Um, so we want to know what would be your favorite scary Marvel story to tell in the dark? I'm talking flashlight underneath your face, cuddled with a blanket, eaten a s'more, but chilled, scared. Ooh. Ooh. Nightmares. Ooh, yeah. Next week, we're going to be doing some really fun stuff. James is going to be back on the show. We're going to be telling some cool, scary stories. This is a tough one, Lorraine. There's some really great, scary Marvel tales. Um, I always go back to the same one, which is when um, Eros... Eros um, turns into a big spider lady and tries to impregnate like Flash Thompson with her spider babies. And then she turns into a million little spiders. Anyways, if you don't like spiders, that's the book for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My go-to is always going to be What If, volume two, number 87. It is uh, a a amazing story that is kind of, it's like like a horror slasher story where Sabretooth it's when Sabretooth was being held in the X-Mansion and the power goes out. So what if Sabretooth gets loose in the mansion when there's no power and there's only a couple of X-Men there? You've got Jubilee, Bishop, Beast, Sabretooth, 
like Iceman, Emma Frost. It's wild and it is terrifying. It has incredible art by Frank Turan, T-E-R-A-N. Uh, I highly suggest anybody check it out. It is not on Marvel Unlimited because uh, everyone who works on Marvel Unlimited is too scared to put all the what if issues on there because they're just too good. Uh, no, we just haven't gotten to them yet. But I love this issue so much and it still it like creeps me out as a even to this day. Uh, we want to know your scary stories, your favorite Marvel scary story. Uh, you can tweet your answers using hashtag this week in Marvel. Email them to twinpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel. Yeah, and now we have time for our community. We got a light one this week. Uh, of course, we hear from Karis Pollard, who uh, she just moved into her new house. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Things, I hope, are moving along swimmingly. Karis says her This Week in Marvel of the Week goes to Captain Marvel by Kelly Thompson, Lee Garbett, and Tamara Bonvalain. She says, I thought this looked stunning for a start. It was also fun and emotional. Seeing Carol happy at the start was adorable and gave contrast to the cold dystopia she ends in. This issue rules. It ties into the Captain Marvel The End book that came out uh, last year, mm -hmm. and it's it's really, really good. Oh, man. Was that last year? What is time? Anyway, we got this message from Jenny Huang on our Facebook page. She said, I like the podcast on Fridays. That musician who was uh, Corey Taylor from Slipknot is very interesting. Where can I get a superhero pin? We were talking about those Scotty Young pins uh, yeah. that we are huge fans of. Um, I would check out the Marvel shopping area on Marvel.com. I don't know for sure, but sometimes stuff like that does pop up. Uh, otherwise, you got to look out for special events like Comic-Cons and that kind of thing. Uh, there were some specialty pins that were put out for Marvel Made. So you can check out marvelmade.net for future stuff if those ever come around again. But I would check out marvel.com in the, sh in the shopping section. There's also a surprising amount of cool stuff over there if you're just like, hey, I want a Marvel thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, I'm looking at the shop site right now and like there's an X-Men set of pins that I actually have behind me that are really cool. Um, the, the Scotty Young style ones. They're a little bit tougher to get. Ooh, there's a Black Widow series of pins coming really soon mm. that those look awesome. Yeah, if you go... Oh, and there's a Captain America. There's some really... Like, I don't look at this stuff all the time. There's some really cool stuff in here. Uh, if you go to marvel.com under the more section up at the top, there's a shop link. You can go there or you go to shopdisney.com slash marvel dash content and you'll get to it. Um, there's tons of really cool stuff. And gifting time is soon. Ask someone for... Marvel pins, right? Yeah, get it. It's Happy New Year. On that note, this episode of This Week in Marvel is produced by Percy Verlin, Zachary Goldberg, Lauren Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to the scary seasonings. Taste the fear. Scary seasonings. <laughs> I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe. Your universe.